Think about the last time you ordered something online. Maybe you're waiting on a package right now. You can likely see how it's getting delivered to you by tracking which cities and warehouses it passes through. But do you ever think about the steps you don't see? The steps that make a product possible, from the raw materials to the final point of sale. That's the global supply chain. Thanks to the integrity of our supply chains, Canadians can still buy food, prescription drugs, and technologies that make our standard of living possible during COVID-19. But what happens when part of that chain breaks down from a cyber attack? How fragile is the global supply chain? What kinds of threats are we talking about? And how can we make sure our systems are protected, especially for essential goods during a global pandemic? I'm Kira Johnston, and this is the Leadership Perspectives series from the Conference Board of Canada. Each episode, we'll sit down with an expert to discuss one issue that's affecting the lives of Canadians. Joining me today is Harry Sharma, the Conference Board of Canada's Director of Innovation and Technology. Today we'll be discussing cybersecurity for the global supply chain. You can also read more in Harry's article, which will be located on the Conference Board of Canada's COVID-19 resource webpage. I'd like to say welcome, Harry. Thank you so much, Kira. It's a pleasure to be on our podcast. I know, it's so exciting. You're the first guest, so I'm excited to get started. And uh, right off the bat, I'd like to know, you know, what are cyber threats and who creates them? Well, cyber threats, Kira, are really just a general term that's used for anything uh, that that involves uh, an information and technology system, an IT system being attacked from an unintended uh, actor. So it could be a state actor, uh, it could be a non-state actor, or as some people would say, it could just be a, a lone wolf sitting in their basement trying to have some fun. And they can range from personal emails being hacked uh, to access your personal information to uh, a company's uh, industrial assets being uh, being stolen. Now, on the topic of supply chains, um, are there intricate supply chains and are there products that are essential to Canadian life? Absolutely. So in, in these COVID-19 time, 19 times, uh, supply chains have really become critical to our daily lives. Uh, Canadians being able to access food essentials or access to their prescription drugs is ever so more important. And we can't forget the role that technology is playing in enabling uh, work from home uh, requirements of the of the current uh, workforce. Uh, and supply chains underlie all of those, right? So access to food, access to prescription drugs, access to uh, technology products are all made possible because of the supply chains that are in place. Supply chains really have a horizontal component as well as, as well as a vertical component. And by horizontal components, we really mean how many sort of uh, different uh, levels of, of uh, suppliers are involved. And then the vertical will mean how many suppliers are involved in each of the tiers. Uh, and so something as, as simple as milk supply, for example, will have lots and lots of farms and, and farmers that are involved in providing, uh, you know, the milk supply that we also uh, cherish, whereas the technology uh, supply chains tend to be very complex and global. Uh, something as simple as a laptop. Uh, there are, you know, <laughs> I would say in excess of 50 different countries that get involved in producing different components, producing different software that go on. So uh, supply chains, uh, I would say, have have become really critical 
to our lifestyles. And, and you know, in these COVID-19 times, uh, supply chains uh, are getting their due uh, attention, I believe, because uh, they have gone digital. Uh, and the, the, the reason they were um, turned digital is because they can provide uh, really good tracking and quality control. On the other hand, though, when you go digital, you also open up vulnerabilities to be cyber attacked. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you're bringing this up, uh, Kiera, and, and I think it merits a, a lot more discussion around how do we secure our supply chains in these critical times. And I'm sure something that everyone is wondering or thinking about is their own data. You know, consumer data is obviously a target for a lot of these hackers. Um, and I'm sure people are wondering what happens to their data when businesses go under or supplier relationships are terminated. How far can our data really travel up the supply chain? Well, ideally, uh, the, the, the consumer data, the end customer data does not travel, um, you know, uh, down the supply chain uh, because uh, the relationship that, that a business has with their end customer is, is so sacred, right? It's, it's a privilege for them to be earning uh, uh, people's business. A malicious actor can actually uh, leverage uh, the interconnectedness uh, in within the systems and within the supply chain. So uh, organizations at FVT are, must be very careful in how they uh, put put some firewalls, uh, you know, within their systems to prevent unauthorized access by malicious actors. Along the same lines, um, in your article, you you do mention destigmatization um, and admitting weakness isn't easy. In your opinion, what needs what needs to change in order to destigmatize information sharing on cyber incidents? Yeah, so one of the biggest uh, issues that I see personally in 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 the current uh, sort of. Uh, it's quasi-digital world that we live in, and, and COVID-19 times have really shown us that we we live in a completely digital world, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I find it quite analogous with some of the other social and cultural stigmas that have existed throughout human history. And, and the, the latest example would be me mental health-related uh, issues, right? There has been, in general, societal uh, stigmas attached to uh, to, to mental health issues, and then you can you can use that to sort of convey uh, that in the digital world, being attacked or cyber attacked is is very similar to that, where companies are hesitant to openly admit that their their systems were compromised because it leads to erosion of customer confidence, it leads to erosion of uh, partner uh, confidence, and and it can you know uh, for some organizations it can mean uh, shutting down their businesses because uh, customers have left or partners are no longer willing to work with them. Every almost every company is working online. Do you think that companies will start to shift um, to producing products uh, more closely in Canada or domestically as COVID nineteen spreads? I think so. I think this is this is a, a, a trend that we're already hearing about. Uh, we have uh, spoken with uh, organizations that are already looking at finding uh, local uh, partners to uh, bring in some of the offshoring that they had done, uh, whether it was uh, uh, products related or services related, uh, and and it. it it's twofold. It's not necessarily just the fear of outsourcing or offshoring. It's actually, in case this happens again, how do we ensure that we will have products that are deliverable, right? You can't have 
local suppliers only when you need them because when you don't need them, they're going to go out of business. So what we need to do is to ensure that we are building in, uh, you know, we're diversifying our, our supply chains so that there are local components to it and those local components are scalable. And in order for them to be as protected as they can be, um, where where do we start in developing a Canadian supply chain cybersecurity framework? Um, and if Conference Board of Canada uh, has any recommendations or your opinion on that? So, uh, as you know, the Conference Board of Canada has two major services that we that we offer to our partners. One is a convening line of business where we bring executives and, and, and senior leaders from the public and private sector together to discuss issues such as this one. So our Council for Cybersecurity has been looking at, at, uh, at uh, cyber threats, uh, strategies to mitigate those threats, and how do we work together. Uh, on the other side, the other major, major service that we offer is, is our evidence-based research uh, that, we, that we undertake. So we're actually marrying the two. Uh, where we're developing uh, uh, as, um, an ecosystem map of Canada's cybersecurity system. Who are the major actors? What are some of the major uh, sort of uh, processes and, and interdependencies that exist? And how do we best ensure that those players are talking to each other? And then how do we continuously update that that understanding. So we are going to be developing a, a real-time dashboard sort of a sort of a, a, a product which will inform uh, not only the the ecosystem stakeholders but also the public at large in terms of who they can turn to if they think that they're getting cyber attacked. That's incredible and, and really interesting topics were discussed today. I want to say thank you so much to Harry. Um, it's been a fantastic conversation, and I appreciate you coming on with me today. Thank you so much, Kira. It's, uh, it's my pleasure.